0: Encouraged, not burdened by the history that they create, they know what is expected of them. They are Manchester United.
1: Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Fergie Fledglings podcast. I am your host, Colin Dams joined by Poly Questel and Nathan Heinschel. and uh we are coming fresh off of Man City thrashing Real Madrid in the second leg of the Champions League semi-final so uh we're not super hyped right now but uh we are happy to be back together and uh talk some Man United boys how you doing
2: good i the good thing about it is at least errors were meant to be, to end or what's what's the quote? errors errors come to an end
0: yeah something and... like that
2: yeah, and that's what Eric Tenog did when he arrived at United, is he brought Manchester City and Liverpool era to an end. So we thought. City are now laughing.
0: Work in progress. Yeah. Right. Under construction.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there's not much they can do in the Champions League. If if they really want to, you know, prevent the trouble, though, uh, they do have a an opportunity to do that in June. But um, more on that later.
0: Um well we also have a uh, Man- former Manchester United player that could uh help end the treble.
2: There's a few. Yeah, Matteo Darmian, Mkhitaryan.
1: <laughs> Henrik Mkhitaryan, Matteo Darmian, Romelu Lukaku. Uh Inter also in the final. Um a bit of a weird one but the way that the Champions League kind of like drew out in the quarterfinal bracket, uh it always it always seemed like um Man City or Real Madrid were going to be the ones who went through and would definitely be the favorite, whoever came out of that side of the bracket. But, um, I guess we'll see.
0: Kind of sick though, that we got a Milan derby in, uh, in the semifinals, which AC Milan might've been a little bit more, uh, competitive, but it was still fun. Yeah. Inter
1: have, uh, you know, for as much as they've struggled in this area this season, Inter have some really fun players, um, I think Nicola Borela, people kind of forgot how good he was at Euro 2021. Um, and he was a big part of that inter side that won Serie A. So um, they definitely have talent in, you know, throughout the pitch. Uh, Andre Onana, also a goalkeeper Man United have been linked with. Um, kind of fits into Polly's mold of player that Eric Ten Hag knows about. Yeah,
0: once played in the Air Divisie.
1: Yeah, for Ajax, yeah. But uh, we are going to move on to Man United. We're going to go through some headlines right. today. Real
0: sidebar too. Oh my god, wasn't wasn't he the wasn't he in goal for Ajax in the Europa League final?
1: He was. I think that was his first season as goalkeeper.
0: Full circle, man.
1: Yeah, there were quite a few Come players. On. I think uh, Mat- Matthias Delict was in that game as well. Uh, I don't know he if Frank- Frankie had broken through yet. Davinson Sanchez. Uh, Who we were linked with that summer, and then he promptly went to uh,
0: Tottenham. So, yeah. And saved us a lot of trouble. Yeah. Thank you. Burrow lost.
2: Sorry, I just dropped that one in there, but Burrow lost. So, Carrick not going to the Premier League.
1: Uh, Well, what are you going to do?
2: Until he takes over Manchester United.
1: Yeah. (laughs) One day. All right. So, he knows uh, the club. I guess the biggest headline for Manchester United this week has been kind of the updates around the ownership situation. We haven't really talked about it a whole lot since I guess the process began a couple of months ago on this podcast. But um, I think it's safe to say that the process hasn't really moved that much, at least in terms of what we know about the public, because we kind of knew from the start that the Glazers were going to be stingy. They would probably want somewhere above 6 billion pounds. If they were going to go for a full sale. And of course, there was always the possibility that they were just looking for investment. Um, so the rain group uh emerged and I think are still an option for the Glazers remaining as majority shareholders uh with additional investment. That money would go to uh probably fixing old Trafford and upkeep at Carrington uh first and foremost before you know anything any shiny new toys in the transfer window. And then, uh, so Jim Ratcliffe and the Ineos bid um, appears to be uh, what people are calling the favored bid at this point. Rumors that um, his plan is more of a kind of gradual takeover. He would be the majority shareholder and the Glazers would kind of stick around. So a similar situation of the Glazers remaining and, uh, you know, big investment coming in. Uh, He is also backed by a Wall Street Investment firm. So it would be kind of similar to Rang Group. And then, of course, uh, a lot of people are familiar with the situation of Sheikh Jassim, um, a Qatari led bid uh, that wants to, quote, buy the club outright. Um, I don't know exactly how purchasing 100% of shares works for a publicly traded company, but, um, you know, he's come along this far in the process. Um, I think the last floated number was 5.5 billion pounds. Um, yeah, so that's where we're at. And um it doesn't seem like we have a great option <laughs> here, does it?
2: You never know. Like obviously obviously we're all on the same page. None of us want Qatari ownership, etc. Um you you don't even if you even if you were to take away all the human rights issues, uh, you don't know that Qatar is any better than Jim Ratcliffe or anybody or anybody else. You don't know that Qatar would be better than, than you or me or any other billionaire out there. Uh, Just the same way that you don't know any billionaire out there would be better than Qatar. Like it's not really a money thing for United because they make so much of it. And they reinvest, like they reinvest it all into the first team. There's there, there, there's literally rules that, are in place as to how much you could spend on your players and your transfer fees and everything. And United go right up to that limit every year where they are lacking investment is, is in old Trafford and in Carrington and all that stuff. So yeah, any owner that comes in um, and put, reaches into their own pocket and spends money on that is good and better than what we currently have. But if you don't have a plan for how, you're going to um spend your the money you do have in the in the market and on your recruitment and your players and in your first team it doesn't matter how much money you have like united have spent more than every team bar manchester city over the last decade where's their success there is none there are plenty of teams that have had much less money than united with much more success because they have a plan and they just spend their money properly so it, it doesn't matter. And I, I think one of the reasons that we've stayed out of this discussion, not just because uh, there is no good option. Uh, even if, even if there was a good, like, even like, again, you just, we just don't know until you see it. Uh, you know, if somebody comes and they decide to throw money at everything that that's not necessarily going to fix the problem. But the other reason is just, we don't know any of the information out there. So everything's just speculation. It's best to let it just play out and happen. And then, see what happens at the end. And I, I guess there's just questions of like, is she just seem a real person? Like, is there a catfish situation going on here?
1: Yeah. And, and like they've, they've Mental put a lot of girlfriend. They've put a lot of effort into saying having
2: that, only two pictures of him on the internet and not anymore.
1: <laughs> literally only the same picture. Like the headline that I
2: read from saying he has nothing to do one. with it. He yeah. is totally independent of Qatar but yeah. there's only two pictures of him on the Internet. He is a totally real person, independent of Qatar, independently wealthy. <laughs> only two pictures of him on the Internet and like no other information.
1: And uh, the.
2: Oh, he's he's heavily involved in a bank that is going through a big financial uh, collapse, for lack of a better word.
1: <laughs> right. And the, the the independence from Qatari sports investment is not like. Like, I understand that the, the money for this is coming from two separate entities, but all of those people...
2: They uh, all report to one person. Y-
1: yeah, they're all connected to the royal family of Qatar. You, you and... don't go to
2: Qatar and breathe without one person's permission. There's one person who allows you to do everything. And... Yeah, like... Also, the tactics that they are using are oddly familiar. Like, there's there are big... There are Twitter accounts with big followings that are tweeting in language very similar to how other Twitter accounts with big followings tweeted right before the World Cup. And it's very clear that they are not doing this and and using using language that is clearly written by a PR specialist and not someone sitting behind their laptop or their phone just firing this off at will. And it's very clear they're not doing this because, oh, this is my independent thought. It's, oh, I'm being paid to say certain things.
1: Right. All all of the people who are expressing this, um, their interest and their support of the Qatari bid um, on Twitter, which is by far, you know, if you're going to put a Twitter poll out there, the Qatari bid is by far the most popular as if fans had a choice in the first place anyway. But right the the conception for all these people is that they're going to spend money like PSG, that, you know, a lot of people are saying that they'll make, make a run for Mbappe. But like, look at the way that PSG and Kylian Mbappe have dealt with each other over the last couple of years. Like, it, it seemed very, it seemed very likely that Killian Mbappe was more than willing to go to Real Madrid at some point. Obviously, the, you know, things turned south on that. And he signed a contract extension. Well, they offered with PSG. him a boatload of money. <laughs> yes, but the contract extension he signed with PSG was not
2: it was like it, it, a year.
1: It, yeah, it was not like you know Patrick Mahomes signing a ten-year deal with the Kansas City Chiefs. It was very much like you know there's a way out of this in the near future if he still decides. Um, I I would not you know hedge my bets on that relationship. Uh, you know being fostered to the point that he would go to Manchester United just because that relationship exists um whether it's financial or more than that but also, also like look at the way that PSG have run their club recruitment in terms of like squad building it's it's and, and not just it's that. kind they, of similar also, to the way that the Glazers uh Manchester United has
2: they 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 were financially doping which they were caught doing and UEFA kind of just dropped the case because they were like you have more money than we do so you could tie us up in litigation it'll be a very expensive process there's just no point so But, like, they were cheating. And these are the things that PSG and Manchester City did. Like, all the other clubs, including United, have, like, pushed back on and been like, to UEFA, you need to get stricter on this. And they also know what to look for now. You can't do the same things. You can't get away with it the same way. But also look closely at how PSG spent their money. Because, like I said, United have spent more than everyone our city over the last decade. That includes PSG. Like PSG were not outspending the Glazers and they spent it on, they spent huge on Neymar. And then, and what got them into the FFP hot water was that they then were like, we're going to buy Mbappe too. And then they're like, Oh, there's no way you could do that. So they're like, you're right. We're going to loan Mbappe this year and we're going to buy him next year. And after that, they didn't really spend a lot of money. They, they bought a lot of players on free transfers uh, older players until they broke the bank for Messi also on a free transfer. They just, you know, took basically all the money that they have in transfer fees and everything and threw it at one player and they didn't build a good squad in any of it. The- like it's telling that the only year where they had any sort of success in the champions league was the year where it was a one-off tournament and you were able you you know, it's not about, it wasn't win over two legs. Like, cause they were, they almost lost to Atalanta. Like Atalanta blew it in like the last five minutes. They're like, they're just not a great squad. And every time they come up against any half decent squad in the champions, like they lose.
0: Nathan. um, I, I feel like part of the reason too why we haven't commented on this. And I, I think we've alluded to it. Like we, we don't really have a whole lot of inside information So it's hard to parse out. And I I think to shout out another podcast and uh, talk of the devils has done a pretty good job of kind of providing that information uh, with, with their inside sources. And I've definitely enjoyed listening to that podcast uh, and reading up on those articles, Um, you know, no good billionaires. So I, I, I think the last time we talked about this, I used the phrase we're picking between piles of shit based on the smell. I don't think my opinions changed on that. Um, I don't, I don't like the idea of sports washing, and so I, I, I'm definitely against that idea. And we, we saw how, you know, pretty in your face it was during the World Cup and leading up to it, all the horrific reports that were coming out. So that certainly that makes me nervous to continue having association with that. Um, and this is going to sound really terrible, uh, but I guess. I'm not as upset as I think some other people are when it's like there's the plan to not fully buy out the Glazers yet and they would stay on, but there would be, I believe, a contract that would be signed that there's an intention to buy them out within a certain date. And some people um, who sit in a chair and live stream uh, on YouTube were, like, disgusted by that. And I was like, well, I mean, let's all be realistic at – one, the amount of money that's being thrown around, I mean, not everybody can just whip that out of their wallet. And there, it, the ram, one, it's a huge organization. The ramifications of that much money, like nothing moves quickly to begin with. And so I think people need to start adjusting to the idea that, you know, the Glazers are still going to be around for a little bit longer, I think, outside of if the Qatari bid goes through. Um, and they are going to continue to siphon and make money. And the other issue that you're going to run into as well, and the reason why they've dragged it out is, remember, they're NFL owners, and they just watched the Washington Commanders get sold for like five and a half billion dollars.
1: This is six point oh five. So I think they def. I think that that's like part of it that maybe they probably yeah. have
0: been pushing for more than that as well. Um, I mean, if you if you own Manchester United, you have to look at a a NFL franchise that, I mean, I realize that the NFL is becoming a global product and it does have an outreach. I can't imagine there's a lot of international commanders fans, whereas like Manchester United is a club that has a reach on, you know, depending on who's on a science mission, uh, seven continents, but at the very least six. So it's like, surely they think that they can get as much money as they could ever want for this club. And that's why they've been dragging it out.
1: Yeah. And it's if also, you are an international Washington Commanders fan, I just want to say I'm sorry. Um, yeah. There's
2: also the element that, like, the Qatar bid really sucks. Like, yeah. it's very weird They're that, the Glazers, that the Glazers have said this is the price that it will take for us to sell them. The, look, the Glazers just want to get paid. There, there isn't really, they, they want to get paid. Their Their Super League idea fell. So they want to get paid they're not in a financial hardship where they're like, you know, there's no divorce going on where they need to liquidize their assets and like, it's like, Hey, we are willing to sell for this price. If not, we will continue to run the club because basically the club revenue, like the only thing that's missing, as we said, was the investment in the stadium and in the training ground, which is a big problem. But like, yeah, the club continues to run on a day by day basis without them like reaching into their own pocket. If that's the price, then you know what the, the price is. Where like, yeah. if, 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 if you put a, a sign on your house, you say, I'm going to sell my house for a million dollars. And someone knocks on the door and says, I want your house for 800,000. You'd be like, no sign says a million, especially if somebody else comes in and says, I'll give you 600,000. Um, now, but you could still live in it. And in five years, I'll give you another 600,000. And then you'll move out and you're like, well, that's more money. I'll take, I'll take that. And, and I tweeted about this this morning and everybody was getting all up in there, like being like, well, they're smart because they don't want to overpay. And it's like, if you want something that bad, you overpay. If you're weighing the asset, like the asset to be like, we're not overpaying for, for this, like, then you're doing this as an investment. Like the Glazers would not, if, 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 uh, you know, there was, if the club was, had a sales sign that said 6 billion, um, and the Glazers were the, and were the people looking to buy the club. And they said, nah, that's not, that asset isn't worth 6 billion pounds. Like they would take their investment elsewhere. They'd find something that's worthwhile. Like this is, this is what happened with Anthony was, United offered fifty something million, and Ajax said no. Here's the sale price, and eventually United paid that because they want. We really want this guy, and that's sort of like City when they first when when they had their first ta- when they had the takeover, they just paid. There was no haggling on deals. They wanted the player, they paid. Didn't matter. Now they're run by a really strong person. They're they're still not haggling, but they'll when they want a player, they they go and the club says. 75 million and they go we don't think this player's worth more than 65 so therefore goodbye we'll find another player and like if Qatar really wants this like Qatar's bid is sort of like yeah the club is worth you know we'll, we'll pay six six billion but like part of that is all right uh, is the investment in the stadium and in Carrington and part of that is paying off the debt and the Glazers are like yeah but now you're only giving us like 4.2 billion like no 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 like you give us $6 billion and then you go and do the other things. Right. And they're sort of like, nah, we're – like, It's just, like, very weird how they're basically being, like – how they keep underbidding. Yeah. Whereas yeah. the Ratcliffe bid is just sort of like, yeah, like, we'll bid. We'll give you what you want, and <laughs>
1: – And he's you know, like, you're- <laughs> I've, got, I've got these other Wall Street cronies behind me who will take care of the rest. You know, like, it's it, – it, Kind of, I guess, transitioning to the next headline we were going to talk about. Um, it is kind well, of just, weird just as well. That, too.
0: Oh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, not to keep, like, harping on the American sports uh, analogies and, and things like that, but the Phoenix Suns just recently got sold for $4 billion. You know, like, I mean, we're, we're sitting in these, like, funny money eras where if a team doesn't feel like they have to sell... They won't. And I think the the Dan Snyder thing uh, with the commanders is probably pretty close to, I, I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily a one-to-one because Dan Snyder eventually needed to leave because of some really terrible things that were happening in that front office. But he wasn't being forced out. He just finally decided, you know what, I'm going to get my paycheck now. Um, and you had Josh Harris continue to bid against themselves because Dan Snyder wanted to have a record money deal sitting right next to his name when he leaves where it's like, yeah, I've got the highest sale price for any NFL team. Like you guys can say all the shit that you want about me and you could tweet all the things that you hate about me. But at the end of the day, I still walked away with six billion dollars on what was probably um you know several hundred million dollar investment. And it's gonna be the same thing with the Glazers too. They don't give a shit what everybody's complaining about on Twitter. They're gonna get paid.
1: And yeah, the sale and- price is the no sale price. I mean, buying an NFL franchise is kind of like buying a license to print money. Um, And Manchester United, you know, obviously in football, things aren't like that. That's why owners were so interested in the Super League. But Manchester United is one of the closest assets you can get to kind of that same thing in terms of annual revenue. I mean, they're probably
0: ripped off the NFL, so... No, yeah, yeah. They're already in the closest.
1: Man, they were showing a graphic today of the TV deals and how the UEFA Champions League was, like... I, th- I think their New deal made them like the second biggest in TV history and it was still like 200 million short of what the Premier League TV deal is with NBC um yeah, it's ridiculous and uh ESPN is paying chunk change to show you uh Bundesliga by the way. <laughs> so the yeah. fact that their Bundesliga coverage is good is uh, and
2: you end yeah. in the in you know as long well, as teams like take as notes, long as, Fox as long as teams like City or Liverpool or Chelsea and City or Liverpool before that and Tottenham and Liverpool keep making it to the final and going far. And as long as you still get like uh West Ham rolling to the conference league final and uh, you know, English teams rolling to the Europa league, rolling very deep into the Europa league. England's going to have five teams in the champions league. So yeah, there's, you might be seeing a, a switch from the top six to, to a top seven. Now, but it's instead of four out of six teams going, it's four out of it's five out of seven going to the Champions League. Like there's still great opportunities to make money there.
1: Well, Ted Lasso watchers will know that, um, you know, the Wonder Kid Nathan Shelley has West Ham top of the Premier League, so they, they got that going. They're second. Uh, second.
2: you not up to date? Didn't you watch the most recent episode? Um, no, spoilers. Oh, but yeah. Anyway, no spoilers, um, but also, also Ted Lasso at one point made an argument for the Super League and I was like I
0: don't think this is what they're supposed to be doing <laughs> also Beard was reading the club in the most recent episode he was I don't know if he yeah, was the, reading the, the books the that he reads are always version, an
2: though. easter egg yeah they're always an easter egg and the, um, the club's also not the, the club's just about how every Premier League owner made their money yeah, yeah ripping off the
0: NFL it's,
1: <laughs> yeah it's like Martin Edwards and David Dean wanted to make money <laughs> so they got their friends together Um. alright so uh, kind of on the same topic, but um, shifting a little bit. Uh, the women's team lost in the FA Cup final this past Sunday at Wembley. Um, there was something like 80,000 people there. It was uh, the largest crowd for a uh, women's cup game in English football history. And uh, Avram Glazer was there, uh, kind of taking it all in. You know, as as disappointing as the game was, it, it, it left a little bit more of a sour taste that he was kind of using that opportunity for, you know, making the Glazer ownership more visible to the United fans, which is something they've been trying since the Super League to mend uh, because they've been bad about it before. But to be fair, you know, they were always going to get booed anyway. But the fact that, the you know, part of what put the women's team in turmoil over, about two years ago was Casey Stoney stepping down over, you know, the facilities that were given to the women's team by the club. Uh, They were having to train at the old cliff ground, um, which did not have up to date facilities. And according to some reports, didn't even have, you know, working bathrooms at one point. Um, I believe that they're at Carrington now that, you know, there's finally a space for them at Carrington. But it, it just added a little bit to the like Glazer nastiness that he was using that opportunity to kind of, you know, finally show support for a team that he'd been neglecting for years.
2: I can't get surprised at anything that Avram Glazer does because he looks like the most evil man in the world. He's a bald guy with a ponytail.
0: Yeah, the ponytail's really rough.
2: It's not even like his actions say, don't take me seriously. It's like you just look at him and everything about him says, don't take him seriously.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't... I don't know if we need to get into the adjectives of what they look like, but um, it's—I would not be surprised if they shared genes with the royal family.
2: It, it, yeah, there, there's just no words here for—he, he he just looks like a vile human being. Like that—that's all I could say about
0: it. It, To be that rich and to have such a bad hairstyle, you're really—you know—you're in the Mark (laughs) Davis zone. It's like, my man, see a barber. That's
1: how you know Notice? that Bosley is a scam because rich people Bro. don't use
0: <laughs> go to
1: I feel like Joel Slam. Glazer,
2: I feel like the, the like Joel Glazer would, would, wouldn't be perceived as negatively as he is if Avram Glazer wasn't right there next to him, always. Like yeah. <laughs> you know, that picture of Solshar taking the, the, the selfie with Joel and Avram Glazer, it it's just like Dude, this guy looks like the biggest buffoon in the world. I'm like, how could you take the club seriously when it's like he were if it was just him and Joel Glazer, again, like you'd be like, oh, that's just a rich guy. But like when you stick Avram Glazer anywhere, everything goes to shit. Yeah.
1: Um, I do I, I feel a little bit bad letting that detract from you know talking about the game. And you know, reaching their first ever cup final was a big achievement for the man United women's team. Um, they have a really good team put together that has is going to probably push Chelsea all the way to the final weekend, but Chelsea are just too good. Um, and they're really switching on at the right time. Uh, Sam Kerr scored against us again. Um, that's the third time in three games against us this season. And I'm pretty sure she scored in both of the ones last year as well. So, um, yeah, that's uh one trophy off. Um there's two games left for Man United Women. Chelsea have three games left uh to make up their game in hand. They still have to play Arsenal, we still have to play Man City, so there's always the opportunity that they could trip up that weekend and United women can take the title by winning out, but um it's uh it's not looking good at the moment. All right. Well, this is one of those
0: things though, too, where we've talked about like they, I, I think they've kind of reset what expectations were because they've had such a good season, almost like in the Arsenal zone, if you wanted to compare it to a men's team that maybe you've been more closely following this year, where now all of a sudden it was like, whoa, in the title race, um can't believe that we gave up the title when it's like, oh, wow, like, we should just appreciate the fact that we we're at it to begin with and they got this far, Um it, I think it's a really positive season. And I think there's been some like there's just been such a good groundswell this year um, in support for the team, and so now it's like if, if it kind of feeds back into the ownership question of like how how how's money getting allocated? So you're going to have a lot of players that are very consequential in this team seeking new contracts because they're England internationals, they're at the top of their game, uh, and also their contracts are coming due. And um, gotta show them the money, because otherwise there are other teams um, in the women's game that have shown that they will spend it.
1: Yeah, like Chelsea. I can't believe <laughs> <laughs> who, who have already taken Lauren James from us. Yeah, I can't believe
2: exactly. uh, I can't believe Nathan just hung calling out to dry, waited, awkward silence, awkward transition. Yeah, I had already and... started. Actually, I have looking... a point to make.
1: I had already started looking for the next headline I was going to mention, but thank you. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. I, mean, it said, zoom, I have a point zoom.
2: to make after after the awkwardness and waiting for Colin to now transition.
0: Look, if anybody follows me on the New York Times mini crossword puzzle, you can see that my um, ability to quickly think uh, isn't quite where I'd like it to be um, nowadays. I got a uh, process. That's all. But-
1: yeah, those things are hard, too. They also vary in difficulty. Like, the first one I did, I did it in 26 seconds. The next day, I was staring at it for, like, over a minute. I was yeah. like,
0: yeah, I'm not going to do this. Wait, When I see that Brent's finished one in, like, 25 seconds, and then I look at my time, and I'm at, like, five minutes, um, you know, it just makes you wonder if uh, everybody lied to me when they put me in the honors program, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I was an all-A student, though. Um, I was not. All right. Uh so uh back to the men's team and uh a little bit of injury news. Marcus Rashford is back this week uh in training, but Marcel Sabitzer is out for the rest of the season uh with a knee injury which we assume he suffered against West Ham because he was not in the squad uh for Wolves and um they announced it on Monday that um, you know, that's going to be the end of his time here. Um some of these some of the news stories about the injury were kind of, you know, throwing it in at the end that there's the possibility that Sabitzer um could work out a permanent deal. It definitely doesn't seem like he's going back to Bayern Munich. Um he wasn't starting when Nagelsmann was there and now that Nagelsmann's not there, he doesn't have, you know, the manager who brought him in in the first place. So um well,
0: who knows how long Tugel's going to be there?
1: yeah <laughs> who knows but um it it's kind of a weird one because at times he's he's shown you know why he's a good midfielder but he's also very much an attacking midfielder um it I think we knew from his RB Leipzig days that his best position was further up the pitch um in you know the final third and when he's been asked to do more than that at United that's when the results are. Um, indecisive about him. And that's the kind of midfielder that Man United need is somebody who can play deeper.
2: When he's been asked to do that, the results have been indecisive. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, so in, in terms of a permanent deal, I, I don't think I would be on board. And that that's apart from you know the age prof- profile if he's 29 now. And that's, um, you know, the age of the midfield is something to be concerned about in the next couple of years. Uh, so I, I think... For me, it would be, you know, it, it was a decent loan signing, um, one that helped cover for Christian Erickson, which was a must in January, uh, kind of in an emergency deal. But I don't think that there's really a place for him or there should be a place for him in terms of, you know, a permanent
0: signing going forward. My, my caveat when it comes to all midfielders that have shown something decent, if the price is right, I'm willing to think about it.
2: That's like, a bad I caveat. It's a bad caveat. I, I think
0: there, I think there is a place for him, though. I mean, there was definitely moments where he did play really well, and as we've seen, our midfield's old. They're going to get, and I recognize that he's also old, and he's currently out for the rest of the season with an injury. But like, either what makes me nervous is we didn't see any of the younger midfielders get any minutes towards the the back half of the season. You know, like I just I don't know that as much as we were excited when Ted was coming in that he was going to play the youth, he hasn't been super quick to do that outside of Garnacho. So it's like, is there a guy that's going to step up next year? Or do we still need to fill a role with a veteran while somebody is still getting a little bit more seasoning at, at the U23 level? Um, I mean, maybe we get surprised and there's just like some amazing dude we've never heard of in Venezuela or some guy playing for – the 14th best team in Ligue 1, who's actually going to be a superstar that we get for 15 million. But until that happens, like, I mean, I wouldn't be mad if Marcel Sabitzer came back and it was like a team friendly deal.
2: Manchester United need, need players that are better than he had good moments. They, they need good players. And Mm -hmm. that's, I think that's the big thing that fans forget is, is the good moments stay in your head. And, and maybe for some other players, the really bad moments stay in your head. But United are a team where if they want to get from where they are now to where they want to be, they need good, they need to make things happen. They need players that step up and make things happen in the game that are consistently doing that. And right now, the, the only player that they really have that does that is Bruno Fernandez. Um and you know, Rashford is the beneficiary of when things are made to happen, he'll finish him off. But if you know, he doesn't really make things happen on his own. Um, Luke Shaw is is another guy that's, that's, that's there, but in midfield, they need people who will, you know, can take the ball, make something happen. And Marcel Sabitzer had good moments and a lot of nothing moments and way more nothing than, than good. And, and this team needs, Good players. I, I said this months ago. Like he's been fine. He came in as a short-term stopgap to do a job, and he did the job, uh, or he provided the he really provided a body uh, is really what he did, and he gave his he gave his effort every time out there, and for that we should be appreciative and say good luck in your career. There is no reason that we should be trying to resign you because you gave effort. That is the bare minimum of what should be asked. And if that's all someone does, they're not good enough. You know, we just watched this Real, uh, Real Madrid decimate, uh, get decimated by Manchester City. And when I watched the second leg, like, one of the things that really caught me was how active and how much effort Kevin De Bruyne put in defensively. The defensive work that he did in that game no one talks about kevin de bruyne defensively no one talks about anybody on city defensively because they all freaking do it all 11 of them all 11 of them do it and we talk about we don't talk about it because we're so focused on all the other things that they do because they're all so freaking good at that that we're like well yeah the bare minimum of is that they should work hard on defense and work hard to win the ball back when they lose it we don't need to talk about that if if you're if you're bringing in a player that that's what you're talking about. That means he's not doing any of the other things and that's what United need. They need players that come in and basically say, "This is my freaking position now. Um you're not going to drop me." And when I when I said this months ago, a lot of responses of, you know, you can't have an all-star in every in every position. Obviously not. You don't need that. But you 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 can't carry players you you can't carry mid especially in midfield if you don't have ten other guys that are absolutely brilliant. Like the comparison we always leave is like that we always look back to of um you great great United teams in the past and they'll, they always throw out like Darren Fletcher and Darren Fletcher was a freaking great player and he only didn't play as much be, because of injuries and because you had Michael Carrick and Paul Scholes who were two of the best to ever play keeping him out of the team. Nikki Butt was a fantastic player. He didn't like it was Paul Scholes and Roy Keane were the best in the league, keeping him out of the team. You need that level of player. Like it, you need, you need players who not just do a job. Like like Fred is a great player to have because he's extremely useful in specific games, but outside of those games he's not good at all like so so you can't you know you need players that could be good in in those games but also could just do the job of like i i think this is another issue issue that united have is like when you have players that are good at i could take the ball and do something they do it and you know when you play everton and west ham and brentford and uh name name those clubs that they do it three games in a row and everybody goes, this, this guy's great. And then you play Liverpool or Manchester city or Arsenal. And it's like, huh, we should probably bring in the guy who would be a better fit for this match. But then they get scared to drop him. Like I think there are games where Bruno should be dropped and he's not because how could you drop Bruno? But that's the quality of players that United need. Marcel Sabitzer is just not it. You could he's find
0: Vandabeek with better PR.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, really, what he is, is the most evolved version of McTominay. You, you could find what what Marcel Sabitzer does from much younger, and and therefore maybe someone that can grow into a position and and develop things and and learn the other aspects of the game. Like, there's there's just you you got to remember, good moments does not equal good player. Like, it just you you need more than moments. You need you need good moments to be to far outweigh all the nothing moments.
0: go okay, gondwan yep. wyd he is free.
1: um yeah uh, probably kind of adding to that i i think with manchester city you see that with uh you know today you saw it with jack grealish uh where you know at left back he was back there covering a lot of the time. Uh, the way that John stones has been used in recent games, um, you know, trusting that he has the ability to kind of fill in a sort of quasi midfield role. Um, and really just, you know, having somebody you can trust to do multiple jobs, um, is, is something that I feel Man United have kind of lacked. Um, and Marcel Sabitzer is not somebody who makes the midfield more dynamic in that way. um, Apart like, from the another, fact that like, he he's has there, a you know a big injury and he's twenty nine years old, the
2: the the Darren we should be comparing him to is Darren Gibson, who broke into the United team with a lot of good moments, a lot of oh big shot like scored was, against Bayern Munich, nice. right? Surprise starter against Bayern Munich, scored two goals, big. Darren Gibson had in his two his two seasons that uh, that he played the most for United, he started fifteen league games and twelve league games. The amount of minutes he played, 6.690s, 7.3. Like, so even Fergie was like, Ah, I see it. Like, there's I'm seeing the moments, and I'm seeing maybe there's a player, and then he was like, No, there's not. Like you, you these moments are few and far between, and the rest of it, you're just not giving us anything. And by the time he was 23 years old, boom, gone. Like
1: he was he, that, Ferguson.
2: That, that just isn't good enough.
1: <laughs> Ferguson decided he was better off with Anderson for two more years than trusting Derek Gibson to improve anymore.
2: Right. <laughs> um.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh. Kind of going forward again with more transfer. Paulie, you had something to say about this on Twitter earlier today. Uh, Kim Min Jae, uh, you know, a Serie A winner with Napoli this season has been a huge part of their defense. Uh, South Korean defender has been linked with Man United. I think his buyout clause is somewhere around 40 million euros. Um, he is 26, 27. So kind of around that age range that Harry McGuire was when he arrived at Manchester United. Um, you guys have thoughts? I'll, I'll, once, let Nathan, I'll let Nathan lead. And then Polly can come in with his, his Twitter ramblings
0: from earlier today. I am once again asking everybody to think midfielder first. Cause it feels like every time we're just like, yeah, we just keep buying defenders, and they still get hung out to dry. And, we, we, you know, it wasn't until after the Harry Maguire situation got so toxic that we finally brought in a guy that could play in front of Harry Maguire and maybe not leave him hang out to dry. So, and that guy is old. So, midfielders, 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 all midfielders. Kim and Jay seems like a very nice player. And I think he'd be good for us, but if he doesn't have the coverage in front of him, because uh, Casemiro is on a straight red card and he's going to be out for four games. We are right back where we've started. And also as I'll let Polly make his point then, uh, as it is indicative of other past signings.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, Kim and Jay is actually, is actually older than what McGuire was. McGuire was 26, uh, Turning 27 in March, Kim and Jay is 26, turning 27 in November. So a few months older. The the thing about Kim and Jay in isolation, fine signing and good release clause and whatnot. It doesn't it, it it doesn't get you any better or anywhere. It's it's the exact same thing we talked about when they signed Rafael Varane of like, hey, Rafael Veron great defender. Individually, he is better than Harry Maguire. Even at the time, let's go back to 2021 where Maguire was team of the season, player, uh, team in the tournament at the Euros. Fant- like, oh, oh crap. We have no shot at winning. Uh, we can't win this Europa League final because Maguire got hurt. Uh, we need Maguire to be fit for that final. That's where we are. Rafael Veron better than Harry Maguire, better than Victor Window. individually great defender comes into the back line does he make the defense any better mm, not really doesn't really make united any better the issue is you if you go out and sign and, uh, the following season they sign another center back so they sign Alessandro Martinez and that's preference of uh, no doubt about Martinez's ability and no doubt about how good he is and his quality Um, but again, how much better is, is the, is the defense? It's, it's not, we're still conceding a ton of goals. Um, no team, you know, a lot's made of the attack and how they've underperformed against their, their XG, like United, um, United's opponents have underperformed against their XG against United. I think there's only four teams or they're in the bottom. They're in like the top four in terms of opponents missed the most chances, but you'll get the other teams. And it's like, our goalkeepers have saved way more chances than were expected. So it's like, Oh, your opponents are underperforming because your goalkeepers are standing on their heads and keeping balls out of the net. United's goalkeeper is not doing that. United are just getting by by opponents missing a ton of chances. Does adding a center back make that better? Probably not. But the big thing is, if you sign another center back now, no matter how you slice it, signing a 28-year-old center back two years ago when you don't have unlimited funds is a bad deal. If you sign someone and two years later, you need to replace him and you take money that could have been used elsewhere because there's other holes in the squad and now you're replacing the player that you already signed, that's a bad deal. And... They, those holes are still there and, and the money is not unlimited. There are a lot of, I think that's what people just can't seem to grasp. Like individually. Yeah. Verón and Martinez are way better than what we had, but that hasn't made us better defensively. We're worse defensively than what we were with Maguire and Lindelof beforehand. And if you're reasoning behind that is that's not their fault. That's because of the goalkeeper or because of the midfield. That's the whole goddamn point is signing the center back isn't going to fix that. So if you needed a new center, like you didn't need a new center back now, then you took that money that could have been used to address the problems and threw it at a center back. Now, if you're taking money that again could be addressed to fix those problems and throwing it at a guy to replace the guy you just signed, because you're not signing a 26 year old to come in and sit on the bench. He's going to phase out Rafael Veron and that's because Rafael Veron is unreliable he can't he can't stay fit he's also god awful with the ball at his feet. There there was a moment on on Saturday where the ball came to him and every single um and all of the Wolves players just backed off him and then he he dribbled forward a bit and then miss hit a pass to Aaron Wambasaka. And I like turned and I said, if you slap a number five on his shirt, that would be all over Twitter with people laughing at him because we've seen McGuire do similar things. Miss like just miss simple passes. And everybody's like, oh my God, this is the worst player ever. Rafael Veron cannot play with the ball at his feet. So in the ideal 10 hog team, he's not in it to begin with. It just makes it such a bad signing to then have to replace him. Like Every sign that United makes should be with the thought of, does this help us win the title in three years? And that's not just this year. That's every year. If the answer is no, you really need to to evaluate why you're making that deal. In a rare situation where you're like, it does not, but we are this player away from winning the title next year, then you could consider making it. But you should also make a, say, a, congruent or uh, a parallel signing that does help you win it in three years. Like if you were a Kim Min J away from winning the title, go ahead, sign him. But then you should also sign a center back who's 21 years old so that he can grow and get better because you will need to replace. It's just, if you're like, it's just mind boggling business to, and you wonder why you're running in quicksand when you keep spending money on the same positions year after year after year and neglect the other ones.
0: Well, and to, to add to your point, too, it, it like 1A, 1B. 1A, the most important thing is, can this signing help us in three years? 1B, is this also a signing that is potentially a flippable asset so that way we don't keep running into the same problem of, oh, this is the new shiny toy we want, but we got to trade in Rafael Veron We're not going to get anything for Rafael Veron Like, to a certain degree, we didn't really pay that much for him to, to begin with, but we're not going to make any money on him. So that puts us then in financial fair play problems because we continue to like slowly but surely take on more and more without selling anything and we're not making any money and like for as much credit as we gave solshire for getting rid of the deadwood a lot of it was like just letting contracts expire. like we didn't make any money on those players
2: no and yeah. and we we've, we've gotten rid of some this year this year too um or he did, he did usher some people out, but yes, you're right. Like a lot of it was letting contracts expire. They let a lot of contracts expire last year. They're letting some expire this year. Rafael Veron is a great player to have as your backup. Like a 30, 31 year old Rafael Veron like that's that you, you want, that's the ideal version, but you buy him when he's 24. So you can play him for six years and then you go, ah, okay. It's time to start phasing you out. Um, We're going to buy somebody else who can challenge you and overtake you. And then you were going to be the backup. And like, I don't blame anybody. Like I don't, this is, that was a sign in that like the upside was very low on Rafael Verón. Like what's the upside? You conceded fewer goals than you were conceding. Okay. You were already conceding very few. So like the defense couldn't get that much better. It wasn't taking you closer to winning the league and all it did was it took away it took away money that could have been used to to improve other areas of the team which have not been improved yet which is why you're still where you are
0: we're seeing the effects of it now i mean united exactly. scored 50, 51 goals this year that's
2: terrible and and they're they're dead at av- they're in the middle of the pack in terms of possession and where where they get the ball and and turning their possession into shots middle they're they're bang average there and that's why that's like, yeah, they've missed a lot of chances and you'd say a striker would be better than that, but like their striker has for most of the season has been Marcus Rashford and he's the one that's burying chances. Well, waghorse doesn't get chances for all the, everybody, when Wild Weghorst around, everybody's like, oh, this is what it looks like when you have a striker that makes runs and everything. He doesn't get a lot of chances. Um, it the, the real culprit of who's missing is, is Anthony. But nevertheless, I don't mind taking a, sh- like, taking a shot on a young guy and it doesn't work because he wasn't good. Like Jaden Sancho. Okay. He didn't work out. You could sell him for a pretty penny and get your money back. Romelu Lukaku. They, they made what all their money back. back. They made all their money back on Romelu Lukaku. But like, yeah, Veron, it's like, if you're spending 36 million on a player, when you have other holes in the squad, if you need to spend 40 million, two years later, that's, that's just not. That's not going to get you far, and individual ability in the back. For as good as Veron and Martinez have been, they've also been lit lit up a few times. It's the structure around them. Why don't you spend your money improving that? Because so,
0: signed midfielders.
2: Yeah, you know. so, that's also
1: like. It, You know, 40 million euros is a good buyout for a player of his caliber. I think Kim and Jay is a really, really good player. But if you're going to be spending, you know, if you only have what was the report the other day, it was like 100 million pounds max that United can maybe spend this summer. Do you really need to spend 40% of that on a position where you already have, you know, you're four deep in terms of quality players who can start in the Premier League? Um, you need be, you need to be spending your premium money on midfielder striker. You, it's 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 gotta be one of those two positions. That it's just it's that big of a need right now.
2: There's also let's let's play the, the devil's advocate here on the other side is well, you need someone because Maguire and Lindelof are going to leave. Someone even today said Eric Baye, and I was like, Eric Baye wasn't even here. And someone's like, and Luke Shaw is ahead of the pecking order than over Harry Maguire. but like Luke Shaw will be ahead of the pecking order over everybody because he's left footed. The the left center back pecking order is Martinez Shaw. It is a different position. He uses Lindelof there out of like when he's desperate.
1: There is a there's a center back available for free this summer, uh Evan Indika, who is you know decently rated coming out of Bundesliga and he's left footed. So if you really want to go and get a center back who is left footed, if they went and got a left footed center back
2: yeah. I would, that's a whole different story because the left-footed center back is not replacing Rafael Varane. That's that's a death move. That's a death move. Like, you're not signing Min, Kim and Jay to, to sit on the bench. That's that's for sure. But the devil's advocate move is, well, Maguire and Lindelof are going to leave. We don't know that. We know that they probably want to play more and that that means that they might go elsewhere. We do not know that United will accept any offer for them. We do not know that uh, that they would necessarily accept the offer. Well, like if the offer comes from a club that's just not, that they believe uh, I, I'm better off fighting for my place here and waiting for Rafael Verón to get hurt, and suddenly I'm back in the team, they may not leave.
0: Yeah, They're And those are two successful. guys too who are relatively safe in their international positions too.
2: Yeah. There have been so several. You was know? like, like the captain of Sweden, and Maguire's basically the vice captain of England. Um, there have been several players before where it's like, that player's going to leave. And at times, that player's been like, I want to leave. And no offer comes. In. Like, last January, Martial wanted to. Leave. It was no secret that Martial was like, I'm not playing here. I want to leave. And he would left on a permanent deal. No one came for him. The only move that they can get for him was a loan. There have been players that are on loan this year, like Eric Bai wanted to leave. No offer came for him. Alex Tellez, ready to sell him. No offer came. For him. We don't know that there's going to be an offer for him. that. Like it has been very, very, very quiet on the off and Maguire front, which could be good or could mean nothing. It could mean that there's nothing out there that teams aren't looking to that teams who are like, oh, we, we need a center back are looking at maybe we should go after a 21 year old. And be able to sell him later. Then try to pay a lot of money to get Harry Maguire out of Manchester United. So we don't know. Th- so like, that that release clause is only available in July. So like, you can't let it run out. But you also can't move before one of these guys leaves because what if they don't leave? That's an even worse signing.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. All
0: right, I think it's like uh, that um, Adam Silver meme: "Time to learn Chinese, buddy." But it's like time to learn how to play the, the people buddy.
2: So many people were like coming at me, like to be like, "Well, why can't we have good, good depth options? And why, why is it? Why can't United have plenty of good center backs? But City could have Akanji and and Ake and Diaz, and it's like, who did, who did signing Nathan Ake for $40 million, who did that prevent City from signing? Like, what holes did City have in their team when they signed Nathan Ake? They didn't. Yeah. That's why they uh, could sign him. If United didn't have holes in their team, by all means, go sign whoever the hell you want. It, that's just adding depth. That's getting better. But to keep addressing the depth at one position while you're letting, while the depth elsewhere, at like, at bear in mind, you have Veron, Martinez. We're both very, very good players. Lindelof and McGuire are good players right underneath. There are other positions where you have players who are, good, very good. And the players below them are average or bad. Go fix the average or bad players and then come back and and address the depth in other positions. If you keep doing in the same position, don't be surprised when next year we're sitting here being like it's May and uh, United need to win this game in order to make the top four.
1: Yeah. Uh, Another reason Man City can have all those center backs is because uh, they don't actually, you know, allegedly, they don't actually report how much they pay in wages.
2: Uh, that, that too. It kind of yeah, like, yeah right. FAP. Like you can't compare anybody, <laughs> they can't compare anybody to Manchester City because financially it's a whole different ballgame. They just pay, they can do whatever they want. Compare, you can compare other teams to Manchester United. And someone, Today he said, well, what, what? Why is Real Madrid able to have Rudiger? And they named two other guys. One of them was an academy product, and I'm like, well, no one. They that guy's from the academy, so they they didn't yeah. sign. Like, and, and Rudiger signed on a free. Yeah,
1: like, people want to play for Real Madrid.
2: <laughs> Rudiger signed on a free, and in the same year, who did they sign? Did they sign Chuehmani that year? Did they sign Camavinga? Like, they they addressed yeah. the holes in their squad. While also selling the overpriced guy who was on his way out to United, which gave them even more financial flexibility to address the other holes in their squad. And so, United, if, a, like,
0: if you want to feel really bad, look at the ages of Chouameni and Romvingo.
2: Right. United doing this is robbing Peter to pay Paul.
1: Tony Kroos and Luka Modric, welcome to Manchester United
2: 2023.
1: Hey, Cruz had a hell of a hit combined there
2: eighty-five million.
1: Well, in wages, because they're both they would both be free transfers. Um yeah. all right, so that is gonna do it for us. Um I, I thought this this was a pretty good episode, apart from that that one moment where I think Nathan you're supposed to stop recording Lug before be you give the
2: before you give the grade.
0: No, I, I like the performance review.
1: <laughs> we're you know, I, we're doing like, we're doing player ratings.
0: <laughs> yeah. I I had a little bit of juice today, you know. I'm I'm all jazzed out. The kickers are playing tonight, so yeah. <laughs> Nathan yeah,
2: gets an eight. A lot of juice, Pauly, 6.2. Talk too much. (laughs) Colin, awkward pause. Yeah, that's a minus two points. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, Um, I mean, you could could go in and just kind of splice the pause
1: so it doesn't sound
0: so long. I may actually do that and people will be
1: like, what were they talking about until they get to this (laughs) moment? So you have to listen to the whole episode to figure out what's going on. This is the post-credit scene. Yes. Um, all right. Yeah, that's going to do it for us. Uh, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back sometime next week to talk about hopefully
0: two Premier League wins. So uh we'll see you soon. Play Tears of the Kingdom.